this. Um, John 6 and 12. We touched on this a little bit this morning, but we're going to uh, be here for most of the evening. But um, It says, And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. I don't know what title to use. I have three different titles. I haven't decided on which one I like best. Uh, either fragmented, the aftermath of a miracle. But we're gonna we're gonna call it this one. Nothing is wasted. Um, so we're gonna talk on that for a few minutes tonight. Let's pray uh, once more together. Jesus, Hallelujah. We thank you. Uh, for your spirit and your anointing that's here, I pray, God, that you would just continue uh, to, this, the, the work that you started here tonight, God. I pray that you would just minister in Jesus. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, you know what we're facing. You know uh, where we are right now. I pray in Jesus' name, God, that just, just move and, and touch and heal, I pray. In the name of Jesus, let your will be done on the rest of the service. In Jesus' name. Amen. Seated. This is uh, one of those messages. If it's not for anyone else, it's for me. So I'm just gonna not not like a regular occurrence that that happens. But um, you know those those guys that uh, just keep everything. You got one here. I've got a couple. I think. Uh, <laughs> we got all kinds of old spare parts. For just about anything you need, wood scraps all over the place, because you never know. Containers <laughs> full of screws and all that stuff. Barns and sheds full of stuff, and instead of emptying one out, you just build a new one, right? <laughs> because you never know, and you, you know they don't want to waste anything. Like to keep it all just in case they need it someday, only that someday comes and they forget they had it in the first place so they can't find it. So they have to buy a new one anyway. <laughs> but nothing is wasted with those kinds of folks. So that's our title today. Nothing is wasted. Uh, John 6 and 12, he read and says, When they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that they that nothing be lost and this is a this is a bible story that's well known uh, we hear it in sunday school if you were at junior camp with us he preached on that uh, at junior camp and i've preached on it a few times i touched on it a little bit this morning different parts of that story uh, and this is just another one uh, so i'm going to kind of run through it so we're all on the same page, and then we'll get to where we're going. So uh, verse 1 to 2 of John chapter 6, it says, And these things, sorry, after these things, Jesus went over to the, over the Sea of Galilee, which is in the, oh my word, let's try this again. Let's start over. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were um, diseased. Wow, I almost read deceased. He did that too. But those that were diseased. So to set this up, Jesus has been working. Uh, he's been healing. He's been teaching. Uh, you know, doing his, his thing. Doing what Jesus does. And he's doing all that. And, and he crosses over the, the Sea of Galilee. And the people like they were at this present time in, in the story of, of John, they, they were following him. And so they, they come. And I don't know if they... 
And so Jesus get in a boat and some of them maybe try to get on that boat or some got on the other boats or I don't know how they followed him across or how that all worked out. Maybe they just <laughs> ran as fast as they could and met him on the other side. I don't really know, but they were following him because they saw the miracles. And, you know, this is, this is just how crowds are, right? You know, uh, that's how people are. Miracles, sign me up. I'll follow. That sounds good. We can get stuff. Excellent stuff happening. Church is moving. Wow. Um, I'll follow him then. There's food at church. Woo! I'll be there. <laughs> Some people, that's the only time they come. But people will come for all sorts of reasons, and then the same people will go away for all sorts of reasons. And that's what we say, peoples is peoples. And so that's where we're at. Right now they're following him, and later they're going to stop. But uh, verse 3 to 4 says, And Jesus went up into the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And, and, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nine. So Jesus goes up the mountain, he sits with his disciples. In verse 5 it says, And Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him. So all the people finally catch up to him. And he said, saith unto Philip, which we talked about this morning, whence shall we buy bread these may eat? So Philip, like we mentioned earlier today, was a numbers kind of guy. Um, he, you know, let's see, he was practical. Um, and Jesus looks at the crowd who has come and followed him up the mountain because they've heard of miracles, they've seen miracles, and then maybe they, you know, they didn't have much else to do. In those days, they weren't distracted by a lot of things, and so they go and they want to see some more miracles and they want to hear some teaching, and that's what they do. They follow him up, and Jesus looks out, and maybe they're hoping to see something you know, spectacular, amazing, I guess. I don't know. And he, he says to Philip, Where are we going to buy bread for all these people? And he says this to Philip, uh, verse 6 to 7 says, He said this to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. So he says, he asks Philip this question to test him or to prove him, to show Philip specifically something. And Philip knows uh, how much money they have. He knows how many people there are. He's uh, probably figured it all out in his head and counted all the people or has an idea because he answers Jesus you know, right away. His answer is ready. And he says, 200 penny worth is not enough. And he's, he's got the numbers all ready to go. And Jesus knows that he asked that because he was going to show something to Philip personally, something um, specific. And so 8-9 says, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? So we said again earlier today that Andrew is a disciple who brings people to Jesus. Just about every time you see him doing anything, he's bringing uh, people to Jesus. Um, that's what he does. And we don't know, we don't know if Andrew went and found the boy, or if he knew the boy, or if he knew of him, I don't know if he, family friend, I don't know if he just saw a kid with a lunch, uh, if the boy went and found Andrew, but whatever the situation is, the, the lad surrenders his lunch, and much has been made of this boy, and his faith, and his willingness to surrender what he had to Jesus, and uh, how Jesus takes that simple lunch and he multiplies it. And if we would just give him what we have, he can multiply it. And, and that, those are all good, great messages, but this is not that one. So we're going to move on. <laughs> 10 and 11 says, And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. 
Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. So Jesus tells the disciples to make everyone sit down. They're hungry. They've been, they're tired. They've climbed up a mountain. They've maybe walked around the, the sea to get there. Um, they're, they're worn out. They've been listening to teaching and all this stuff. And they're, they're hungry and they don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but if they're anything like us, you don't need to tell us twice to sit down. Some don't even need to be told once. And the Bible says there was much grass. And so that's about as comfortable as it's going to get in this uh, area of the world. And, and, and so 5,000 men sat on the grass. And that, I think, in itself is a little bit of a miracle. 5,000 people did what they were told. <laughs> right? I try to tell, like, four of them. And that's not, that doesn't work very well. How many of you ever tried to tell a handful of people? We had, in junior camp, uh, Brother Ellison and I, we were trying to the boys. There was nine. There was way more girls, and they seemed to be more orderly. But these nine boys, pff, crazy. That's what it was. Like herding cats, we said. It was, they could not find, there was just, they, didn't, they lost everything every day. I had no idea. It was terrible. Go do this. I don't know. And then nine we couldn't even control. And the disciples, is 5,000 people, and they all sit down. I think that's pretty incredible. And so we have no idea how long this took to get the word out. They were going to sit down. Or maybe it was like a wave, and a couple sat down, and they're oh, yeah, sounds good. I don't know. But they all sat down. It probably didn't, wasn't a very quick thing, but now we come to the opening text we read, and this is what we're going to focus on. So Jesus has just um, performed this incredible miracle. He's fed 5,000 plus. Uh, he takes the faith of this little boy and he multiplies his lunch to feed 5,000 men. And these are probably, you know, hardworking guys. They can pack back. They can put the lunch back. And if it's free. <laughs> so they... This is incredible. He's done this incredible thing, and it's amazing. And everybody here, that, that's, that's, everybody there is just reaping the benefits of this one little boy's sacrifice. And if you ever lived for God for any amount of time, if you ever followed Jesus for any amount of time, there have been moments, and sometimes in the middle of something miraculous, and sometimes in the middle of something um, incredible, or sometimes right after we take a, a step in faith, there's a... A breaking that happens to us. And when Jesus took the boy's lunch, John doesn't record it like this, but Matthew says it like this in, in Matthew 14 and 19. It says, And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. So Jesus blesses the loaves. And before we are ever going to be used by Jesus, there's a blessing that takes place. Before he does anything, 
before he multiplies, before he takes us any further, there's a blessing, there's a calling, there's, a, there's an anointing, there's something special that, that happens. Um, there's, a, there's a door that's open, there's a window from heaven that's open. He blesses us, he fills us with the Spirit, you know, he does all these things. And my goodness, do we love the blessing? And some of us, I don't know how else to say it, but we get so selfish that we'll, we'll just stay here forever. To stay here in the blessing forever. That's, whew, good stuff. Everything's good in the blessing. Everything feels nice in the blessings. There's no problems. There's no disgruntled folks in the blessing. There's no place like living in the blessing of God. And I could preach about blessings and people would hoop and holler. And get all excited and amen all day long. And we've seen it happen whenever you go to certain events. I'm going to get my blessing. Let's go. That's what I want to hear. Oh, sorry. Sorry for that. But he doesn't always just bless us to bless us. Sure, sometimes he blesses us because he's, he's our, our father and he, and he loves us, but sometimes he blesses us so that he can use us. Sometimes he blesses us because he's got something he's going to do through us. And after that blessing, after he blesses the bread, he breaks it. And after the blessing, there often comes a time of breaking. And we don't like to be broken. We don't like the breaking part, and we don't like to talk about the breaking. But in order for that bread to be multiplied, to feed all of those people, it needed to break. And if you truly want to be used by Jesus, you are going to have to be broken. And you're going to have to go through a time of breaking. There's going to be some sort of hurt in your life. There's going to be some sort of pain. Why? Because there are things in us that need to be removed. And oftentimes the only way to remove that is through a time of breaking. Jesus says in John 12 and 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. If we're ever going to do anything for him, the blessings are nice and the blessings prepare us and give us what we need. But the brokenness is where he really works. And unless we are willing to die, we will never bring forth anything. Unless we die, we will never multiply. The miracle happens after the breaking. A broken and a contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. And I know we don't like to hear this because we want to hear all about the blessings and we want the positive, feel-good, hippie stuff and the good vibes and, and the miracles and the healings and the hooping and, and the hollering, but we need to break before he can use us. Our will needs to break, our pride, our ego, our filthy, stinking attitudes need to be broken. Our preferences sometimes need to be broken. There will be a time of breaking that we go through and we say things like, why, why is this happening? I, I told you I would do whatever you wanted. Why is this happening to me? And it's not always going to be comfortable. There are things he needs to remove from us. And there are doubts. There are fears, there are attitudes, there's anger, there's thoughts, there's philosophies and ideas and ego and, and, and pride and all these things. That the only way for them to be removed is to go through a time of breaking. We've talked about Job before. How he started off, he knew of God. And after he went through all that, he said, now I see you, I know who you, I know who you are, I see you. There's that 
40-some chapters of Job just breaking. He came on the other side of a revelation of who he was. And it's not always going to be comfortable. But when we truly die to ourselves and live for Jesus, there's, there's going to be some tests. And tests will break us and tests will hurt. But it's necessary because at the bottom when there's nothing left of me or you, that's where he can finally work. Like John the Baptist said in John 3 and 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. The bread didn't get to choose where it went. The bread didn't get to choose who got it. I know it sounds ridiculous. Because <laughs> bread can't choose. But the bread had no say. Well, I don't want to go to this family. They're a little weird. I don't want to go over here. It smells funny over here. I don't want to go here. I want to go. Like the bread had no say. The bread didn't get to choose. And we allow him to break us. And we stop trying to control Jesus. We stop trying to tell him what to do. And what we will do. Or what we won't do. When we stop trying to run the show, that's when he can start working. Oh, I don't do that. We say in our heads when I said that. But we do. Every single time we don't respond to his word or his presence for whatever silly reason we have. Because honestly, every reason is silly. <laughs> Sorry, dearie. When we come together and we sit and frown and fold our arms and don't worship and pray because we're upset about one thing or another or someone got on our nerves and we don't like the music or the preacher or the changes or the person that we're sitting beside you, handcuff Jesus and we don't allow him to work and to move because he's going to move through us. That's how he's chosen to work and until we're willing to be broken and have all this stuff removed from us that causes us to do that, we're going to stay the same. Joel 2 and 12 to 13, it says, Therefore now, therefore also now say the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and weeping and with mourning and rend your heart and all your garments and turn unto the Lord your God. Israel, up to this point, they had always rent their garments when they prayed or when they got upset or they mourned or whatever. They would tear their clothes. And, and it was the same old thing time after time. But God said this time, I want you to give me your hearts. Your rent hearts, your broken hearts. Broken by life, broken by pain, by loss, by the death of a loved one, by betrayal or sin, by that diagnosis, by that conversation that you had or by whatever it is. Give it to him because that's what he's looking for and that's what he wants. And a little while later in the Joel chapter 2, Joel says in 28 to 29, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. And that's what we want, right? People will preach that. Yes. Well, yes, that's it. That's what I want. The spirit poured out. I want to be used. I want the miraculous. Yes. Glory. Give it to me. But that only comes after the breaking part. After we rend our hearts, after we fast, after we do this. We want Joel 2, 28 and 29, but we don't want Joel 2, 12 to 13. And you can't have it that way. So Jesus blesses, and then he breaks the bread, and then he performs the miraculous. In the process of this happening, in the process of blessing in the process of breaking 
things fall apart and there are fragments. And when we are blessed and then broken and used by God in the way he wants to use us, we come to a point where it seems like all we have left are fragments. We've been broken and he uses that brokenness. But in the process, we feel like we're all over the place and we're stretched too thin and we're we're worn out and we become fragmented and maybe we feel burned out and maybe we feel worn down and maybe we feel stretched too thin and maybe we feel like we don't have much left to give because we've given all we have and we feel like we can't give anymore. We're not the same that we used to be. That loaf of bread would never be the same once Jesus got a hold of it. Those fish were never the same. There's a marking that comes when we're used by God. Something happens. And then we get to feeling like after it's, it's been a while, and I'm done. I'm worn out. I don't know if you ever felt like that. I, I have. There's nothing else I can give. There's nothing else I can do. All I have left are these fragments. I'm not as strong as I used to be. I'm not as tough as I used to be. I'm tired and I'm worn down. I don't have much left. All I've got is these fragments. They're just scattered about on the grass. But Jesus said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And it's in these moments of weakness that his strength is truly shown in our lives. When I can no longer do it, that's when his strength comes in. When I can no longer fake it or force it or pretend or try to make it happen anymore, that's when his strength is, is, is shown. And that's when, when there's nothing left of me, that's when he can finally do what he wants. John 6 and 12. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. And Jesus said, gather up the fragments, don't let anything be lost. Nothing is to be wasted. I probably would have just left it. Feed the birds, you know. I wouldn't have gathered up bread off the ground. Would you? Probably not. Maybe if you had animals you wanted to feed, you might. But Jesus said, gather up the fragments. Don't let anything be lost. Nothing is to be wasted. I don't know if you hear what I'm trying to say today. You've been broken. You've been used. You're tired. You are exhausted and you feel like you don't have anything left to give. And you feel like there's nothing you can offer Jesus anymore. You're burnt out. You're worn out. You've been doing this for a long time. You've been holding it all together for everyone for a long time and you've been trying to minister. You've been trying to do what it is that he's calling you to do and you've been blessed and you've been broken. You've been used by Jesus and you've seen the miraculous. You've seen these things happen. But in the aftermath of the miracle, after you've been used by Jesus, after he's worked through you for any amount of time, but now it, it feels like everything's in fragments. You don't have anything worth giving anymore. But Jesus says, bring me the fragments. Nothing is to be wasted. Bring it to me. Gather the fragments. And if all you have today are fragments, give them to Jesus. If you're worn out, if you feel broken down, gather up the fragments that you have and bring them to him. We try to convince ourselves that what we have isn't good enough anymore. 
I'm not as strong as I used to be. I'm not, I don't have the energy that I used to have. I don't pray as, as effective. I don't know. We just, I can't worship like I used to. I can't do these things like I used to. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I can't do it anymore. We convince ourselves that what we have isn't good enough anymore. And maybe, maybe it's true, but Jesus wants it anyway. Gather the fragments. There is value in every piece of our lives. There's value in the losses and the failures and the disappointments and the missed opportunities that can all be turned into something useful if we would just give them to God. Give Him the pain and the negative things. Give Him the shattered hopes and, and dreams and the questions and doubts. Give Him all of the fragments. All the stuff that it feels like it's just left over that doesn't fit anywhere. Give it to Him. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be neat. It can just be the broken pieces of life. Give them to Jesus. He wants the fragments. Gather it up. I don't want anything to be wasted. He wants the pieces. Nothing is wasted on Jesus. Nothing is wasted. Time is never wasted when we give it to Jesus. Prayer, energy, witnessing, whatever it is that you give to him is never wasted. Anything you give to Jesus is not wasted. If all you have is a fragment, he wants it. The songwriter said, here is my harvest of heartbreak. Here is my threshing of tears. I give you my dream, but I lost it down in the locust years. Still praise is the song that I'm singing, even though sorrow's my tune. My love's only a whisper now, but nothing is wasted with you. My God, that's just tired, just worn out. All I've got is this little song. All I've got is this little bit, but I want to give it to you. Him. Nothing is wasted with Jesus. If all you've got is five minutes, give it to Him. All you've got is a broken heart, give it to Him. All you've got is doubts and questions, whatever, just give Him the fragments and let Him do what it is that He wants to do with it. We talk a lot about the feeding of the 5,000. That's a, that's a big miracle. That's an incredible thing. But I'd like to draw our attention to another part of the miracle because, like we said on Wednesday, we focus a lot on the big numbers. 5,000 people were fed. 3,000 people got the Holy Ghost in Mexico, whatever. How many were baptized? You know, we ask these questions. And we can miss the other things that God is doing. Verse 13 John chapter 6 says, Therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. This is incredible to me. This is the most incredible part of the story. There's five loaves, five little loaves. I don't think they were big bread loaves. No mom's going to send their kid with five of those. Five little rolls. And they gathered up 12 baskets of bread fragments. 12 baskets from five loaves. Blessed, broken, used, fragmented. 12 baskets. And if we allow ourselves to go through this process, if we allow ourselves to be blessed, and we allow ourselves to be broken, and we allow ourselves to be used by God, if we allow, or sorry, if we gather the fragments and bring them to Jesus. This is where the real miracle comes. 
Because after it's all over, somehow we're better off. Somehow, through the breaking, through the fragments, through all the stuff that's happened, through the tiredness, the weariness, our lives have multiplied. And somehow our ministries have reached further than we ever could have imagined. And somehow the impact we've had on the kingdom is greater than a, a five loaves. And there's now there's 12 baskets worth. When we take time to give him the fragments and gather up the fragments, we have more than we realize. We can truly see what he's done in our lives. When we give ourselves to Jesus, we always end up with more. It may not feel like it because maybe we're stretched and maybe we're scattered about. Maybe we're, you know, here and there and it feels like I, I just, I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say. But when we gather it up, we look at all that he's done. It's incredible. Five loaves and the 12 baskets. I don't know how big the baskets were. It doesn't really matter. But that's Amazing. When we give ourselves to Jesus, we end up with, with more. We have life, Jesus said, and life more abundantly. There's more than you think. When we get, when we get feeling like we're, we, we're just tired and we're worn out and we're burnt out and all I've got left is fragments and all I've got, I just, I don't have, I'm not the same as I used to be. I used to be so neat and tidy and used to have it all together, but now I'm just kind of spread all over the place. And when you give that, to him. And when we gather it all up, we can see that there's so much more. He's done so much more than we could ever really comprehend. There's more than you think. Those fragments you have, those things that you think aren't good enough, they're just whatever. Gather those up. There's more there. You get what I'm trying to say? I hope so. There's more there. There's more than you think. It's not over. Gather up the fragments. Don't let anything be wasted. Don't let anything be lost. And so today, tonight, I just want to give us a chance to respond to Jesus, depending on where we are in the process. We may be just ready to give ourselves to him and he can start blessing and he can start calling. Maybe that's what we're at or maybe, maybe we've been there for a while and we're ready to, for him to start using us. The breaking's going to happen. We've got to be ready for that. And after that, he's, he's going to work. So whatever you're at, and maybe, you're, maybe you're at the end and you feel like it's, I got fragments. That's all I've got. And if that's the case, why don't we just gather that up and bring it to him tonight? Whatever it is, your life, your questions, needs, concerns, heartbreak, whatever, whatever you feel these fragments are. Life isn't always the, the kindest. Sometimes it, it breaks us places we don't want to be broken. And then we don't know what to do with it. And bring that to him. Gather the fragments. We can see what God's really doing and what God's really done in our lives. So let's do that tonight. Let's.
take some time and pray. If you want to come to the altar, it's, it's open. It's always open. If you want to pray in your seat, pray with, as a family, whatever you, it is you want to do. Let's just pray um, together tonight. Let's let him work. Let's respond to what he's trying to do um, in our lives. In Jesus' name.